Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Please, can the man just have his pipe? After all, a snowman looks stupid with a nicotine patch on his mouth. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, in the middle of the holiday season. So in uh, tonight's show, uh, getting caught up on some uh, pipe tobacco reviews. So we've got uh, Cabby's Mixture from Samuel Gowith. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, Dan Sanford from Creators Design Pipes and Blades. So we'll talk to him. And then uh, music for the holiday season again. Mailbag and uh, a rant. Yep, yeah, sorry. Gotta do one. Just a rant. Alright, all that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, yes, I am uh, back from my, uh, from my week down at Disney World. The uh, weather was absolutely perfect for pipe smoking the entire time. We had maybe uh, five minutes of rain, and I was able to avail myself of every smoking area on the uh, in the four parks except for one. Uh, and everywhere I went, you know, pipe smoking was. Uh, was accepted in the smoking areas, didn't hear any grumbling from people, and had a few people want me to, uh, and one lady actually want me to blow my smoke towards her because it reminded her of her father. So I was uh, more than happy to oblige, although her father smoked a uh, cherry aromatic, and what I was smoking was not a cherry aromatic. Um, but I just want to make sure and uh, remind you that if you get a chance to you know, take the time this holiday season to uh, sit down with your pipe and relax and think about the uh, the holiday season itself. And uh, that's one of the things that I love to do at, uh, at Disney World is just you know, sit back and relax and just watch people and see things go by and be where I am. So that's a perfect thing to do with a pipe. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. All right, so a tobacco review of Cabby's Mixture from Samuel Gowith. Now, the first time I tried uh, Cabby's Mixture was in uh, September of 2015, I believe, it was just being launched at the uh, Dortmund Intertobac Show, and uh, Bob Gregory was kind enough to give me a bowlful. He literally had just a few tins there. Uh, most of them were most of the tins that were there were empty, and he gave me a little bit to try. And uh, I smoked it later that night, and I was impressed. So in uh, 2016, last uh, November a year ago, I decided it was time to purchase some. Now, uh, before, I, before I go any further, let me say the reason that I want to review this now is to see if anybody else has had this experience with it. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead. Had a discussion at the West Coast Pipe Show with, uh, with another one of the attendees, and I told him that I had just opened up a can of it. 
And uh, I had just opened up a can primarily because it was almost a year, and I wanted to see how it was doing. And I detected a, a little bit of the uh, Lakeland soap flavor. And he, too, said that the first production that he had was no soap and that the second run that he had bought some from had some soap. So I came back to it, and I wanted to check out the dates on the can. And sure enough, I have the uh, a little bit of the second production. And so therefore, I was uh, interested when I went to uh, when I went to open it up and smoke it. Um, here's uh, here's the basic review of it. Uh, the label is a very simple label that is also uh, used for the European Union, so it's half blank. Uh, it's described as a cabbie's roll cut tobacco with perique. So imagine a Virginia perique done in a roll cake and then uh, and then cut up a la Escudo. Now, the discs are not nearly as neat and tidy as a Escudo, nor are they as big as a Escudo, so... A little bit of a looser cut to it. Uh, it is primarily a Virginia with a good, hearty helping of Perique. So it is not for the Perique mild at heart. Uh, when I open up the tin, and I'm still working on the same tin now for two months, uh, I've smoked it in several different pipes and several different levels of moisture. Uh, when you open up the tin, uh, first of all, what what surprised me was the size of the tin, considering it's only a 50-gram content, but that made sense when I opened it up and saw that the discs were kind of loosely packed and kind of in a broken-up uh, broken status. So not uh, not 100% discs like you find in a Scudo just laid in a circle. Um, when when I opened it, I got a good whiff of... Uh, of some of the Virgi- uh, the Virginias, and then and then some of the Perique. Uh, it is packed way wetter than I like, but that's just me. Um, so I tried it, dried out a little bit, rubbed it out, smoked it, and so far here's what I've decided with it. I do like it. It has a little hint of that Lakeland soapiness to it, but as I've had the tin open more and more, that soapiness is uh, is wearing off or drying out. Uh, again, I've had the tin open now for about two months, and the tobacco inside of it is still more uh, is still moister than what I like. Uh, it did smoke well, smoked evenly, and I found the ash to be very white. And again, the uh, the first couple of times I smoked it, the uh, the Lakeland flavor caught me off guard, and then but as the bowl went on, it seemed to dissipate. So uh, my my opinion on it is, is that I will plan on keeping some around for an alternative. Uh, it's a different taste than Escudo. And it reminds me more of the Escudo from 10 years ago. And again, I'm one of the few that thinks that there was a change in the formula of Escudo or something altered in it about 10 years ago. And the current production is not quite as uh, punchy as what I remember from 10 years ago, 12 years ago. 
So this is, uh, again, this, this is more to the style of what Escudo was 10 years ago. Again, not for the faint at heart. Um, be aware there may be a little bit of that Lakeland hint to it, but it is a really good Virginia Perique. Uh, now we'll go over to TobaccoReviews.com, and I've picked out a, uh, a four-star rating, which is the top of the heap, and a uh, not-so-top-of-the-heap. And this one, the top-of-the-heap one is from Stevie B., who has about 1,500 reviews, so a uh, well-trusted source. And he writes, uh, Samuel Gallith Cabby's mixture is fantastic. I wasn't too sure what the blend's appearance would be like. Dunhill uh, Deluxe Navy Rolls, maybe. No, it looks like one of the McBaron Roll Cakes. It's not as perfectly organized in the tin as Dunhill's Deluxe, but a mix of more rugged slices of twist. It's moist, but not as damp as many Samuel Gallith blends. A short period of airing time is all that's required. Uh, the flavor of this I enjoy very much. It's nowhere near as spicy as many blends with Perique in can be. It gives a gentle peppery note, but it doesn't seem to have the sharpness I often get from Virginia Periques. This burns great. To be fair, it was easily ignited, too. Nicotine, quite strong. Not too strong, but still above medium. This is a very natural-tasting blend. There's no undertones of added sweetness. It's more of a mellow vapor. Highly recommended. And uh, he smoked it in a Peterson Kinsale and uh, smoked it right the minute he got it. Again, this goes back to uh, October of 2015, and he must have been in uh, Europe because uh, he got it from GQ Tobaccos. And on the other side of the coin, uh, Jhand 45 and this is a fairly recent September 2017 review, gave it two stars, and he writes, I try to avoid new tobacco hype, but this one kept coming up as being especially great, so I thought I'd give it a try when I found it at a brick and mortar. I wish I hadn't bothered. Not that it's bad, but I don't consider it anything special. Nice presentation. The coins are delightful and really easy to work with despite being wet. Uh, less normal than Samuel Gallith, but still wet. The tin note smells to me of stewed apples, but when it's lit, just meh. It's not bad. There's nothing offensive going on. Just meh. I've heard it ages well, so maybe I'll leave it and do an edited review at some point. But for now, it's not something I'll be returning to. So there you go. Two sides of the coins of Cabby's mixture. And again, the the uh, large tin is uh, nice to nice to have and uh, might be worth a try for you. All right. In just a minute, Dan Sanford. This is Internet Radio. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. 
Stop by CornellandDeal.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me is uh, Dan Sanford, who I've just recently met. And, you know, Dan, I was looking at your picture, and I said, you know, that guy looks really familiar to me. Um, but uh, Dan, is, uh, if I understand it correctly, you're uh, like one half of the team at uh, Creators Design Pipes and Blades? Yes, uh, my wife helps me. She uh, does not smoke a pipe, and she tolerates my cigars, but uh, she does most of our refurb work uh, here in the shop, and so uh, works the buffer and um, polishes stems, and uh, yeah, it's great to have her on board. We'll get into more of those details in just a minute, but Dan Sanford, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right, so let's get to know you. You're you're in Iowa. Did you grow up there, or did a plane drop you off in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> I grew up here. I was born in Moines, Iowa, and uh, grew up there um, through high school and did the Midwest tour of colleges until uh, I ended up out at a small college in Eugene, Oregon, for uh, a few years, and uh, was hired to come back to Cedar Rapids, and so uh, I've lived between Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and Benville, Arkansas for the past 20 years. Uh, so what did you go to school for that sent you out to Oregon? Uh, pastoral ministry. I was a pastor uh, previously for 22 years, and so I moved to Arkansas to take a church there, and then my former pastor retired. We came back and succeeded uh, him for seven years here in Cedar Rapids, and uh, we just stuck around. So I'll be on my best behavior, I promise. Oh, no problem. Maybe. Um, all okay. right. <laughs> You're showing me. So when did, you, uh, when did you start smoking, and was it a pipe or a cigar first? started with the pipe. Um, during my years in ministry, I was under uh, a contract that forbid tobacco and alcohol. And so I um, uh, did... Uh, well, to honor that, and but I always uh, was attracted to the pipe for some reason. I was a Tolkien fan of C.S. Lewis, fan, and I knew that uh, if ever I retired or uh, stepped out of ministry, uh, it's something I would want to take up. And so, uh, pretty much a couple of weeks after I was out from under that covenant, uh, bought my first uh, basket pipe in Colorado Springs, and they loaded me up with some Lane BCA, and uh, and that started the journey just about uh, three years ago. Did they show you how to smoke the pipe, or did they, did they just say, here's a pipe, here's a tobacco, see you later? Uh, it was kind of a see you later kind of thing. Um, uh, it was more of a cigar shop than it was a, a pipe shop, and I had no clue. Um, you know, I asked a few tobacco questions, um, and the uh, gentleman did what he could. But uh, really, I was educated uh, through podcasts, through uh, your podcast and through uh uh, a couple others that uh, I know you're you're very acquainted with, and um, at my job now I, I wear earbuds, uh, so I'm able to listen to podcasts and music and whatnot. So I really, between that and um, uh, Mutton Shop Piper, who you just interviewed a few uh, a few weeks ago, I believe, um, yeah. that was my education in, in how to smoke. Um, I was pretty much a, a teetotaler for for most of my life. So you're uh, you're not exactly one of these young hipster kids that gets all their information off of the internet. You uh, you went you went to the internet as an older guy. Yeah, uh, I think I started smoking at 45, 48 today. So um, yeah, I took up the pipe 
through midlife and um, uh, through that discovered not only you're just a great a great hobby but a great community as well and um, and just the connections I've made with pipe smokers and uh, pipe carvers over the past couple of years has been uh, tremendous and uh, wouldn't trade that for anything. Was there a uh, pipe smoking aha moment for you when you figured it out and figured out what kind of pipe or what kind of tobacco you liked? Uh, of course, like, like most people, I started out with uh, aromatics and to this day, I still love Lane BCA and, and one few, uh, I'll, I'll confess that publicly. Um, <laughs> Uh, I began to branch out. Kind of my first experience with English and, and more Latakia heavy blends was Frog Morton. And I've tried a few different of their blends, but I still like the original Frog Morton. And, um, man, the first time I tried to smoke a pipe, I was in Colorado outside in the wind. Could not accomplish anything. And so, really, it was I was educated on my back porch uh, in the summer, just experimenting and, again, through listening to podcasts, uh, asking questions. I would ask the dumbest questions on pipe forums, <laughs> and, uh, and actually they were kind enough to help me out. But I, I had no flu. Um, um, you know, other than a few stray cigarettes as a kid, I never had smoked. And um, so that was a journey for my wife as well, to go from uh, pastor's wife to, to co-pipe carver. Uh, but... <laughs> Oh, no really aha moment, just kind of a journey. Yeah, and, and hey, don't feel bad about BCA and 1Q. Those are those tobaccos are the number one selling in the United States. Uh, if there's, You're not the only one out there that likes them. Uh, oh, I love them, yeah. Now, we, and, just, uh, yeah, we just pick on the people that smoke Latakia because that's like burnt, burnt stuff. But. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I've, I've grown to like the Orientals and the Latakia heavy uh, stuff, so. <laughs> I'm still experimenting. I very rarely buy the same tobacco twice. There's a few go-tos, but still learning the uh, learning the craft. So, what made you decide to try making pipes? Had you have any experience working with wood before? No, I really don't. Um, I just uh, began to follow some pipe forms and just appreciate the the beauty of. Uh, these carvers and what they were doing. And um, I don't know that there was an aha moment there. I went on Craigslist and just nice wood that was sick to smoke. I did enough research to know what would poison me. And uh, happened to be a, a widow that had a, a tree hit by lightning the year before. And it was, um, oh, what was a mulberry? And so I just went and loaded my trunk full of mulberry. And my first pipes were, were made out of that. And, um, uh, still have one of my original ones today that still smokes great. I stole a, a, a stem off of a Missouri Meerschaum corn cob pipe, and <laughs> and um, yeah, I just uh, very early on I discovered that there's just something neat about making something and smoking it, uh, something you made with your own hands. And so um, yeah, it's just been a, a process and journey since then. Uh, went on Facebook to try to find a, a beginner pipe carvers uh, group uh, and there was none at the time so we just created one that uh, has about a thousand members today and we invited pros on I spent months just uh, personal messaging pro carvers asking for them to come on that group and be mentors and now there's uh, probably as many 
uh, professional artisans on that site as there is, um, you know, beginner makers. And so that really was my education was interacting with the professionals that were so accessible to me and accommodate. Did the, let's go back to the mulberry. Did it taste different than briar to you? Uh, not really. The only native wood that I've carved actually seems to have a taste to it is hickory. And maybe that's just my, my palate. But um, I like working with fruit woods. I've, I've worked with uh, some apple, and um, I got a, a big uh, uh, piece of uh, pecan from a friend that I've um, worked with. I, I work mostly with uh, briar and uh, morta, but uh, occasionally I'll make uh, one of the native woods and just uh, we call it our, our blue-collar line of pipes, and they're, they're cheaper and, and uh, discounted just because it's not the high-quality wood, but you're having to deal with cracks in the wood and, and just finding a good piece. That's the challenge when you're dealing with, you know, what's sitting out in someone's backyard. <laughs> but no taste to the mulberry that I could detect. When you, uh, when you started buying pipes for yourself, was there a style or a shape that kind of appealed to you first? Yeah, I, I like, uh, still like vents and, um, and uh, billiards style shapes. And my first pipe was a just a basket um, bent billiard. And to this day, I still, you know, like the Dublin fishtails. And um, I didn't know a lot about brands. I actually, um, my father-in-law smoked a pipe years ago and still has a box of 25 uh, just high-end um, factory pipes in the original boxes sitting in his house. And he's passed a, lot, a couple of them along to me. So... He's kind of educated me, and I got my first Avenelli from him, and uh, eventually wanted a Peterson, so I got me an old uh, Peterson Napila. And um, yeah, just slowly, as I've watched YouTube videos and find out what people like, I've just, uh, uh, I'm an eBay uh, shopper, so I'll pick up lots of pipes there so I can restore them and, and flip them and and uh, keep one that I like. So uh, yeah, I still uh, uh, big fan of uh, bent pipes, but yet some of the pipes that you make are more—I um, don't know how to describe them—but more American Western <laughs> style. Yes, um, one of the more popular pictures we put out early was uh, we called it the Draco because I, I made it for my son. He was a fan of one of the uh, what's the dragon on the How to Train Your Dragon. And we wanted to make a pipe for him for Christmas, inspired by that movie. And so, um, if you kind of look through our pictures, you'll see kind of a a um, reddish color um, burgundy antler pipe. And I was trying to make a a dragon essentially. And that's how I ended up working with antlers so much. We built that first pipe. And my wife uh, is my photographer, and she. Uh, is a much better photographer than I am a pipe maker oftentimes. And, and that just really sparked something in people that, um, there's not a whole lot of, uh, antler, um, pokers out there. Um, and so we just began making those and people began commissioning those. And, uh, to this day, that's our most popular style, either just smooth, uh, briar or a mortar, or my wife does the, the dragon scales on them when, uh, someone uh, requests that. So, yeah, that's kind of our most most unique uh, style and most popular pipe, um, just because most people don't have you know, something like that. 
and there's only a few carvers out there that I'm aware of that that are using uh, antler um, on a regular basis. And I'm gonna I'm gonna assume I mean the the antler part of it looks like it's uh, you know looks like it's an homage to something that you might see in Wyoming or a Montana cabin, but at the same time it looks a little um, Middle Earth esque, and I believe you may have a, a tattoo that references Middle Earth. Yeah, I uh, I got a tattoo um, of uh, uh, Narsal um, in its broken state. Um, and uh, when I left the ministry, it was due to addiction issues. And uh, my favorite poem is from Fellowship of the Ring, the, the Riddle of Strider. And so I just have a, a quote on there that says, Renewed shall be blade that was broken. And that was just kind of my statement piece. Um, first tattoo at uh, 46 years of age. And so <laughs> um, just of overcoming addiction, uh, which uh, uh, two years I've done so. And... Um, um, yeah, so it's a it's a Lord of the Rings homage, but it's also a, a reminder to me of where I've come from and, and where I'm going. So that is a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about blades. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority. But nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line. And I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with Dan Sanford of Creators Design Pipes and Blades. Uh, before we talk about the blades, talk about the name of mm-hmm. the pipes, the or the Creators Design. You bet. You bet. Well, um, it was kind of a, a reference to my creator uh, as a Christian, and, um, you know, I think all creativity is in any form is a gift from him. And I, I just love to, um, to create and, um, whether it's, you know, podcasting or music or pipes and, and, and now blades. Um, I don't think, uh, God will take credit for all the pipes that made some of them. He looks at and says, no, that one's on you, son. But, um, <laughs> uh, we, we do, uh, you know, when I'm carving, I'm asking for his help. I'm asking for his favor. I'm praying for the people that this pipe is going to go to. It'll be a good smoke for him and a good experience. And that's really been the, the blessing, especially as a, a newer carver, is just connecting with people. And um, uh, more than just branding and getting the name out there, just making that connection with individuals and uh, to see them send back pictures of them enjoying the pipe. Uh, I'm still that little kid that you know draws crayon pictures for their parents and just can't wait for them to hang them on the refrigerator. Um, 
I'm still <laughs> wired that way. I love to to create things and put them out there and, and see people enjoying them. So, yeah, Creator's Design was um, to reflect our faith and also to reflect, um, you know, just my desire to be creative. And I'm, I'm most alive when I'm making something. I, I consume a lot of content. I listen to podcasts and music and things, but I'm most satisfied when I'm making content instead of consuming it. So that's kind of how that blended together. It, it's a it's a beautiful message, and at the same time, you're really just kind of giving birth to the to the natural item, and you know, taking you're, you're taking away the parts that don't need to be there, and finding out what uh, sure. what was originally inside of it. You bet, you bet. That's that's the hope. So uh, why the why the interest in in blades and I and I understand you're just kind of getting started in that. So how does yeah. one get started in that, and why? Well, I, I've collected knives and blades since I was a child. Um, my father kind of went through a hunting phase, and he gave me his uh, bone-handled uh, buck knife pretty young in life. And, um, you know, I just started collecting them as a kid. Um, he uh, was helping a friend clean out an attic and discovered an old rusty sword up there. It can't be too old because it has welds on it, but... Um, and so that was just kind of in our home forever. And I, I, I made a stab as a teenager of trying to restore it and, and that never finished that project. Someone actually did restore it for me later on. And then uh, I discovered Tolkien, of course, and um, just something about the, uh, the romance um, of the blade and what it stands for and what it represents um, over the years. Um, I've had given to me or I've collected um, you know, World War II bayonet. Uh, I just inherited a number of World War One um, blades from um, my brother-in-law's father who passed away. They just had uh, a huge collection um, from uh, one of our local armories. And uh, then people would just gift them to me, um, you know, our own Gladius. And, and then I discovered um, uh, the uh, Forge and Fire TV show, and my life was rushed for... Um, yeah. Uh, for the rest of time, and I just had to give it a try. And so uh, right now we're working on uh, file knives, and I find that that experience of shaping and uh, is very similar to pipe carving. Um, I just commissioned a forge with my brother, who's a, a, a metalsmith and a metal fabricator, and he's building um, a small forge for me, so we'll start getting into the the actual uh, nitty gritty of the craft. But right now I'm just uh, working with metal that's already, um, you know, been heat treated. I'll just have to, to grind it and shape it and, um, temper it in uh, the oven for an hour or so. Um, but hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be, uh, I'll be hammering on some uh, glowing metal and, um, uh, entering into that world. So yeah, it's a, it's a brand new adventure for me. I just love swords collected them before I, I collected pipes. I uh, still have a, just a number of swords sitting up in my, my library. Uh, had to get one of the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, United Cutlery replicas, so I have a glandering uh, Gandalf sword sitting upstairs. So <laughs> um, I tell you, people really pay attention when you preach holding a sword for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> it really uh, cut down on my counseling load when I had sharp objects and a couple of pet snakes in my office as a pastor. So... Uh, so, um, yeah, just, uh, 
it's just always been a fascination to me. And now that I'm following a lot of just wonderful artisans out there and beginning to connect with them, uh, actually worked out a, a trade uh, for a blade for pipe here recently with an artisan uh, uh, sword maker. So, um, yeah, we're just starting to dabble into that world. But hopefully I'll have a couple of uh, nice blades available for around the Christmas time to, to, uh, to offer. But I really look forward to to start working with the forge and um, assuring my wife that I won't burn the house down and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, doing that successfully and safely. So, I've I've always I've always thought that fathers with daughters should own a fairly intimidating looking sword because it's not quite as aggressive as the cleaning the shotgun on the front porch when the boy comes over. Uh, but the yeah, I, but the sword is yeah, uh, still uh, intimidating. Uh, definitely, definitely. If they walk in and you're polishing, uh, polishing your butt knife, they'll they'll pay attention and uh, uh, hopefully. But uh, I mm-hmm. have kids about the same age as your age, and my oldest one is a daughter, and so uh, I am one of those uh, hopefully loving yet intimidating uh, fathers. So. <laughs> um, well, when when you get to the point and you're ready, I'd like I'd like a replica of Sting. It's the right size right. and the right weight for me. Hey, it's it's yours. We'll uh, we'll make that happen. Just has to be made out of elfin steel. No, uh, yeah, I'm I'm working on a vendor for that, and yeah. uh, I don't have the language barrier down yet. But we're <laughs> um, so let's get back to pipes for a minute because you guys also do restoration, and uh, and do you yeah. do you do restoration just for? pipes that you buy to resell or can we uh, send you pipes to have cleaned up no uh we do both um have one gentleman especially who um just buys lots of them on ebay and sends them to me and we clean them up and um uh, do a lot of stem repair on them some of them are bitten through and uh, we have to remake the button for them and uh, as much as possible we like to especially if it's a you know, a known pipe or a named pipe, we like to keep that original stem on there. And, uh, but we can re-stem pipes. And so, yeah, it's a combination of both. We have um, refurb sent to us, and then uh, I do go online and buy pipe lots to um, to flip as well. Or uh, if I see one I really like, um, and I think I can uh, at least offset the cost of the pipe that I like uh, with um, the refurbs, I'll, I'll go on and do that. So, yeah, both ends. We... Uh, um, and again, uh, my wife does most of the the refurb work, and I help with the uh, button button design. But um, yeah, pretty much 100% of the refurbs you see online um, were uh, refurbed by her. So, so that, that's a, that's a pretty good deal for you. You go online, you see a lot of pipes, and you want one out of it, and you get her to clean them all up. You keep the one you want, and then sell the others. So you're you're really she's not really doing much. Out, yeah. <laughs> she really points out that she is getting nothing out of the deal yet. So I'm trying to uh, negotiate um, salary, <laughs> uh, but um, I just tell her she gets my undying love and appreciation. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, she has made a point of that. That hey, um, you're you're benefiting from this, but uh, you know, but we really do do enjoy being out in the shop together, and it's something we get to do on our day off and on the weekends and. She, got, she has a wonderful eye. I call her my quality control expert because um, any pipe, um, the ones that I've snuck by her uh, have been uh, uh, 
not uh, positive experiences. But generally, I, I bring it inside when it's done. I set it on the kitchen table, and she gives it her uh, her once over. And sometimes I get sent back to the shop. And so um, she really has a, just a great eye for detail and, and beauty. And, um, yeah, she loves to look at the, the sites and see all the pipeline out there as well that other carvers are putting out. And, uh, we really, really enjoy what, what the other artisans are doing. Where do your uh, handmade pipes start out at price-wise? Um, uh, commissions run about $100 right now. So, And then we occasionally we'll put out, again, that blue-collar line. It's about half of that, and that's usually a native wood um, for wood. Um, but, yeah, the uh, briar immersion pipes, um, uh, around $100 commission. And we, we build those to spec, and we um, keep in contact with the client throughout the whole process, sending progress pics and allowing them to choose colors and stains. And, and um, that's been a just a fun relationship building uh, aspect to the business as well. So. And you, how many pipes a year do you think you're going to be able to make? Uh, right now, working a full-time job, um, uh, I'd like to be able to make one a week. Uh, I don't think I'm, I'm at that point right now, and but um, it just depends on the style of pipe. Um, I was just commissioned my first loom ball uh, recently, and so that's that's a lot more challenging to build than a uh, than a antler poker is. And so um, we can we can make the uh, antler poker relatively quickly, just because we've done so many of them, and just because of the you know simple shape and design, but. Um, uh, if you get into more of the Dublins and the, and the billiards and especially the Paul, I had someone uh, commission a uh, tennis ball uh, pipe one time, and <laughs> I had no idea how to lay the, a tennis ball, and so I actually sent it to uh, Michael Ingley, who was a wonderful uh, artisan carver out of Dubuque, Iowa, and he, he laid the perfectly round um, piece of briar for me and drilled it out and we just kind of etched it and took it from there. So I, I love doing collaborations uh, with other carvers and and um, there's been a couple of carvers in Iowa that have really been a big help to me. So Iowa is becoming the, uh, the the new hotbed of uh, pipe makers maybe. Uh, I hope so. Uh, I know of three or four of them and, and uh, we have one of the best in uh, Danny Vesquez and Bird and Bear. So um, he, uh, yeah, I'll uh, probably say something more about him, but he uh, gave us a tour of his shop one day, uh, he and, uh, me and my son. And, um, yeah, it's always been real open for me to email him questions. So, yeah, he, he definitely is one of the best of the best that America has has to offer. And then uh, just a lot of hobbyist carvers that I'm really encouraging to begin selling. Uh, there's people that are just making incredible pipes, but just haven't taken that step to, to risk it and put it out there, and um, it's our desire to not only make pipes through Creators Design, but also be a hub for beginner and uh, intermediate carvers, just to you know, just to begin um, promoting their work as well. Where can we go to see your pipes online? Um, if you just uh, look up Creators Design pipes at uh, actually Pipes and Blades now on all the major social media. Uh, my Facebook page, uh, Creator Design Pipes and Blades, is my main landing site. Um, and you can personal message me from there. If you're not into um, the social media thing, you can just reach me at creatorsdesignpipes at gmail.com. And um, 
Yeah, but uh, we use uh, mainly Facebook and Instagram these days to promote our stuff. And um, I mean the hashtag Righteous Pipes. And so if you just uh, you don't want to view the page itself, you just want to see some um, some pictures, just uh, pull up the hashtag on Instagram and Facebook, Righteous Pipes, and that, that'll be me. So um, that, that that hashtag that that's one of them new fancy things that young people do. Yeah, yeah. I'm not young, but I stole that idea from a. Uh, Sean Reem, um, Pipe Carver, so um, he's been very successful with that. And I think his is a hashtag smoke like your grandpa. So um, <laughs> I thought that was a great one, but I, I couldn't come up with anything uh, more original than that. Dan, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions, and then I got a little special re- request after that. So you actually kind of get six Fast five things, but okay. uh, no right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? You bet. You bet. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, the favorite pipe I own is Savinelli 320 that was gifted to me by my um, father-in-law. And so it's probably a 20-year-old uh, 320. Favorite shape, probably a Dublin or a fishtail. And what is your favorite tobacco? Oh, Aromatic. I'm still a, a Lane VCA guy and um, non-aromatic. Probably the original Frog Morton. Um, uh, I've tried some of the others and uh, just come back to the the first one and seem to like that Latakia forward um, meaty flavor. So, what is your favorite drink? Uh, anything that's overpriced at Starbucks. Um, <laughs> I used to work there as a part-time job, and I just developed a taste for. It's an acquired taste. I'll admit that not everyone's a Starbucks fan, but um, once you, uh, when you're on shift, you get to drink whatever you want. And so, after a year or so of drinking Starbucks uh, incessantly, um, I'm pretty much hooked. So, uh, I'll stick with that. I like the flat white there. So, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, kind of a combination of the two i'm really into audio drama podcasts and uh listen to those at work and my daughter and i uh, produce one as well and so um yeah i was a voracious reader uh years ago and now um having an earbud in my ear all night i really enjoy uh, fantasy and sci-fi podcasts all right what's the link to your uh or what's the name of your podcast uh it's called servants of the secret fire it's uh, kind of an urban fantasy that my daughter narrates and I wrote over the course of the last 15 years and in producing. So uh, that's on iTunes and SoundCloud. And then uh, finally, do you have a particularly favorite? Well, not finally, uh, almost finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a particularly yeah. favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I want to come back to, to Danny Vesquez. Um, my son's a student at Iowa State University in Ames, which happens to be where Burden Bear Pipes is the home of them as well. He had a um, gentleman's night. He has those throughout the year. And so last November, um, I drove to Ames and picked up my son and we went over to Danny's house and just sat around the fire pit with a bunch of wonderful men smoking our pipes and uh, smoking a pipe with my son. And then uh, Danny uh, took about an hour away from those other guests just to give me and, and my son a tour of his workshop and um, and uh, his process of pipe building. And I was able to video that and, and uh, put that up uh, on YouTube. And so just that time with my son, um, 
you know, carrying a pipe and then the time we're at the bolt spend, uh, learning the craft from a master craftsman and beginning to take his time like that was really special to me. Sounds like fun. And then finally, uh, with uh, Christmas uh, just around the corner, uh, I would really like it if you would give us a little uh, Christmas message. Oh, I'd love to. Love to. Um, uh, one of my favorite names um, for Christ is Emmanuel, and of course it crops up in a lot of Christmas carols we sing, and and uh, it literally means God with us. Um, and we we call it the incarnation, um, where you know God became a baby and grew up as a man and um, lived a sinless life and, and died, but. Um, Incarnation and Emmanuel kind of dovetail together um, uh, in that uh, when you incarnate something, you infuse it. And, and Emmanuel, uh, meaning God with us, uh, you know, God has infused this earth with his presence. And, and um, Christmas is a time, and I, I appreciate, Brian, you referring to it as, as Christmas instead of the holidays, because, um, you know, coming from a Christian worldview, uh, it's very important to me that, uh, among all the other uh, trappings of this um, this Christmas season, and I, I enter into them, I have Christmas tree and, and you know sing Christmas carols and do everything else. And my wife's going to be on me to hang lights here pretty soon. Um, the real deal, um, just as Linus let us know in the old Charlie Brown thing, is about um, you know God becoming man in the form of, of a child. And uh, doing it uh, to an undeserving world that would ultimately um, reject him greatly and, and crucify him, and then giving birth to this thing called the church that uh, is imperfect, but um, it's the boat that he put afloat, and he still is working through it. And, and um, you know, coming from a, a background of um, both in the church, but also of addiction. Um, God being with me is is not just a theological idea. It's it's my daily bread. Um, I I need God to be with me every day to resist um, addiction and temptation. I need Him to be with me to to uh, get through uh, a ten hour shift at a at a difficult job, and um, I need Him to be with me definitely as I craft these pipes and uh, these blades. That's um, that um, if I'm going to put the new creator's design on them, then, um, you know, I want it to reflect um, his excellence. And so, yeah, um, you know, as, as this Christmas season, you look up and you look at the stars, um, you know, just be reminded and that so many things are just like in the natural world. They're, they're competing with those stars. Um, the more light to the city, the less you can see the stars. You have to go out into the country side to really see a full panorama and don't allow the trappings of consumerism and media and all the things that really wear us out of Christmas to, um, to dim, um, the real meaning of that. Um, uh, see the stars clearly, see, recognize Christ clearly in this season. And, um, and, uh, right about now I would, uh, take up an offering probably, but, um, I'll stop right there. So, (laughs) Well, I will end it by saying Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure and an honor to uh, to spend some time here. And we'll be back in just a minute. 
Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. And uh, do check out everything that uh, Dan and his wife are doing. They're uh, great people and Let's uh, let's support them. We can be uh, we can be great people to them. All right, and uh, to celebrate the diversity of not only in music but of all the uh, listeners of the show and all the holidays that are upon us uh, tonight is the first night of Hanukkah, and this song was recommended to me. Uh, it's Light One Candle by Peter, Paul, and Mary, and uh, I don't think they ever smoked a pipe of tobacco, but uh, see the rant coming up. Um, anyway, the uh, meaning is, and the message in the, in the song works for every religion. That answers some of those painful questions. It says, Light One Candle. Candle on a menorah, the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. Light a candle for decency, light a candle for hope. Light a universal candle for peace. Light one candle for the Maccabee children With thanks that their light didn't die And light one candle for the pain they endured When their right to exist was denied Light one candle for the terrible sacrifice Justice and freedom demand But light one candle for the wisdom to know When the peacemaker's time is in For so many years Don't let the light go out Let it shine through our love and our tears Don't let the light go out It's passing through so many years Don't let the light go out Let it shine through our love and our tears strength that we need to never become our own foe. And light one candle for those who are suffering, pain we learned so long ago. Light one candle for all we believe in, let anger not tear us apart. And light one candle to bind us together with peace as a song in our hearts. Don't 
perfect message no matter what you celebrate this year and if you're celebrating Hanukkah tonight I wish you a very best one you've got mail you've got mail you've got mail we've got uh, two weeks worth of shows to get caught up on but uh, not much on the mailbag I know you guys are busy this time of the year but uh, do send any comments or questions to me Brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page, and uh, I'll uh, answer them on the show. All right, so going back two weeks to when uh, Pete Prevost was on, Casey Ghost writes, uh, Greg Pease makes some tremendous tobaccos. I don't like all of his tobaccos, but most of them are awesome. The problem with listening to the interview was I kept waiting for what product he was going to promote next, and I didn't have to wait long. I realize with carvers that they are, in a sense, doing the same thing, but somehow it doesn't strike me the same way. Um, Yeah, you know, I guess it doesn't strike you the same way because they're promoting a whole line of products and uh, doing stuff that, uh, doing stuff a little bit differently. But, um, you know, it's, we've got to, we've got to support all these uh, pipe factories. Uh, And then Casey Ghost goes on to say that the music was okay. All right. Uh, next is, uh, Crash the Gray, and he writes a long one. Are you ready? Uh, great show this week. This is my first comment, and of course it's on a week that you're on vacation. Despite all that you've said, I couldn't listen to the show out of order, and I just finally caught up after about two years of listening. Uh, I do show up on show 194, as I had asked on Facebook about the tamper that you designed, and you answered my question. Thanks for that. Other than that, I've been a silent fan for a couple of years, starting with my first real foray into pipe smoking as a regular thing, and not just the random occasional pipe. Two years ago, I was just learning to smoke a pipe, and the radio show in this forum seemed like a good way to learn. I really enjoyed listening to the show develop and grow over time by listening in order. 
because of your advice to attend shows, I went to the K. Woody Northeast Slow Smoke event in December 2015, met Tim Thorpe and other carvers, and competed in the competition after only, after, after only about 10 months of smoking a pipe. I now go to this event and the New York Pipe Show and any others that I can find the time and funds to go to. The show always inspired me to try carving a hobby block like so many others, and that led me to traveling down to North Carolina to learn from a pipe maker, pick up a lathe, and start making pipes a little faster than with a pocket knife. I now make pipes part-time and am just ready to start selling them. Having followed much advice not to sell the first pipes... Uh, I also went from smoking really only English blends to trying hundreds of tobaccos and getting very hooked on Virginia Flake tobacco. Uh, my love for K. Woody pipes expanded through your interviews, and I started collecting artisan pipes. Although not collecting on a level of some guests, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we can't all do that. Um, as a pipe smoker, I grew and used the forum. I now have almost a 1,000 posts, which is nothing compared to many, but it has been an important part of my growth as a pipe smoker. On top of all this, uh, I finally met you at the NASPC show this year on Friday night, but failed to mention any of this for fear of taking up too much of your time. I always wondered, going back to the last anniversary show, if the show was not recorded rather than live. You always say 100% pre-recorded, but never explicitly say that you are live. Yep, I'm not live. Um, I thought maybe I was crazy and reading into things, but now I was actually on to something. Uh, this has gotten quite long, and I have many shows in the future to comment on, so I'll end with a genuine thank you. I really appreciate what you've been doing with this show and viewed it as my college of pipe smoking. It inspired me to make pipes, collect pipes, try new tobaccos, get fifth place in a smoking competition, and really enjoy the hobby, if you want to call it that to many more shows nathan nathan thank you very much i appreciate that that's uh you know one of one of the one of the beauties of doing this show is uh having the impact that it has and you know with kevin doing the forums and you know, keeping that yeah there's a lot of great information out there and uh hey you're just a you're the perfect reason why we do it uh last week with tom uh, Casey Ghost says, this was a really good show, nice and expensive gifts in the pipe part segment. Be nice to get some of those things with a can of pipe tobacco every once in a while. Uh, the pipe fail thing was entertaining. Most of those fails were things that have happened to us so we could relate. Can't say I've ever taken a bath with a pipe, so that was unusual. Um, I recognized the song Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, but I'll swear I couldn't hear Sammy singing for the life of me. Maybe he's like me and doesn't particularly care for the song. <laughs> yeah, that was Sammy. Um, and then Crash the Gray says, It's odd this week to only have one show in the queue, but a good show it was. I really enjoyed the epic fails. It is definitely a good thing in this hobby to make mistakes and find what works for each of us. To both of your points, we're told all the time that we're going to love a blend of uh, a blend or a pipe only to discover that it isn't just that it just isn't for us. Yeah, that's the big thing is it's not that the blend is bad or that the pipe is the best. If it's if it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, it just doesn't work for you, and it may work for somebody else. All right, and uh, just a reminder that uh, both Tom and Shane will join, will join me once a month each, or uh, 
as close to once a month each as the schedule permits. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, have some you know, more insightful conversations between uh, between us. And uh, hope you enjoy that uh, little change in the format. All right. Rant time next. Cowboy. Cowboy. As I smoke my pipe out in public, one of the comments that I'm getting more often and more often, especially as the legalization of another thing becomes more and more prevalent, is, hey, what's really in your pipe? And it tends to be younger people, and I have to explain to them that it's just real old-fashioned pipe tobacco. Yeah, nothing else. Sorry. Now, what the uh, federal government can be worried about instead of my old-fashioned pipe and pipe tobacco is uh, some little uh, some little letters called CBD and THC. Here's what they need to be worried about. CBD and THC, when extracted and put into an oil form, are absolutely odorless. So I'm sitting down there at Disney World, and I'm talking to the young people next to me who are commenting on my pipe, and next thing I know, they start telling me about how they get CBD oil shipped to them and THC oil shipped to them, and they're smoking them right now in their vapor device. And it's untraceable. Completely untraceable. So in the state of Florida, where you're, it's only medical marijuana, here are some tourists doing recreational marijuana, uh, completely undetectable unless you were to, uh, I guess, blood test them, but completely undetectable because it's in a liquid form in a vapor product. And now what the federal government's more worried about my pipes and my pipe tobacco instead of all this CBD and THC oils that are in cookies and all kinds of different stuff that is completely, completely untraceable unless you blood test somebody. All these little lozenges and uh, candies and stuff that people can be munching on and they're completely untraceable. So who knows how many people were a little higher on Dumbo than I was when uh, we were riding it at Walt Disney World. All right, there you go. Write your congressmen, senators. I don't know. Maybe they can figure out a budget for it. Oh, never mind. I got political. All right, uh, please make sure that you are enjoying the uh, the holiday season Make sure you're doing it with friends and family or if, uh, you know, make sure you're enjoying it with the Pipes Magazine radio show. And while you're doing that, share it with friends everywhere you can. Uh, Post comments about it on uh, Facebook. Uh, Leave feedback there. Whatever you want. Just share the Pipes Magazine radio show. So, thank you to Dan for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in and until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just 
Sing a song and think about sunny weather. We three would make an ideal couple.